0: Hi, it's Robin McMahon here. I'm the host of Parenting Our Future. And if you're listening to this podcast, I wanna thank you so much for being here. I also want you to know that I am a former angry mom. I used to yell and rage and threaten and punish my kids because I wasn't getting the cooperation or the behavior that I felt I should be getting. And I struggled for many years, not knowing how to change or knowing what to do differently. It wasn't until I found the world of peaceful parenting that I learned why my kids acted the way they did and also why I was so angry and triggered. I was able to heal my anger and leave my triggers behind so that I could focus on being the calm and confident parent I always expected myself to be. I can tell you that feeling connected to your kids is the best feeling in the world. My two boys are teenagers now and we have a strong relationship that is rooted in deep connection. And where there is connection, there's cooperation. Parenting is the most important job we do, but it's the hardest job we do. And we do it without understanding the fundamentals of the way our kids grow and develop. We do it without knowing the way their brains work or what their behavior is actually really telling us. So it's no wonder it's so hard. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, this is harder than I thought it would be. And that's where I come in. I can help you and I can support you so that you can have the cooperation and enjoy being a parent. You can book a free call with me on my website, parentingforconnection.com. And if you want to download my free guide, how to turn a no into cooperation, go to triggerfreeparents.com. I really hope you enjoy the show thanks for listening. Hey everybody, it's Robin McMahon here. I'm so happy to have you back. You know, I say all the time that I have like the most wonderful guests and today is no exception. In fact, I already feel like a little zen. I feel like centered that we get to talk to Kathy kassani Adams, who is the author of Zen Parenting and also one of the co-hosts of Zen Parenting Radio with her hubby. And so let me just tell you a little bit about her. And then um, I want to tell you how I first heard about Kathy. So she co-hosts Zen Parenting Radio and is the co-founder of the annual Zen Parenting Conference. She's a social worker and former elementary school educator from a family of educators. She's a yoga teacher who is a forever student when it comes to breathing and mindfulness I love it kathy teaches in the sociology and criminology department at the dominican university and she lives outside of chicago with her husband todd and their three daughters All right, Kathy, welcome. I have to tell you when I was really, really struggling in my parenting many years ago, I was on the the school grounds of our elementary school talking to one of my best friends and she's a mom. She's got her, her oldest son is a friend, was, is, is a friend. They've, they've moved away. So it's a little bit harder for them to connect. But um, we were talking about parenting And I had no idea what peaceful parenting was, conscious Mm -hmm. parenting. I didn't know anything. I just knew that I was really struggling and I kind of hated being a mom. Mm -hmm. And I remember her saying to me, I just want to be the best mom I can be. And I had honestly never heard that before. Mm. And she said, yeah, I'm listening to this podcast called Zen Parenting. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, huh. All right. She's like, no, they're really good. And so, you were my very first introduction to parenting that way, parenting podcast. And so, I just have never forgotten about Zen parenting. And when it came across my desk that you wanted to be on my show, I can't even tell you how honored I am to have you here today. So, thank you for being here.
1: Robin. Thank you. I love that story. I really appreciate that. Isn't it? Isn't that funny? Like you would never, you know, like, and I can do the same thing. Like there's certain people I've read their books and emailed them and said, this was the beginning of a long journey, but you just never think about it for yourself. So thank you for sharing that with me.
0: Yeah, I just thought it was so cool. I couldn't wait to tell you. I love <laughs> that. I love yeah. that. That's so meaningful. Yeah, and and um and it was so beautiful to hear like I just want to be the best mom I can be and I'm like, "Oh, is that what that is? I thought I just wanted to change my kids." Like honestly, that's where I was coming from. I just didn't know. I needed them to be better. I was amazing, but I wasn't, you know, like I was, I never said that about myself. Let's be clear. Uh, But, you know, it was, it was so interesting. So interesting. So um, yeah, I remember listening to you way back then. So uh, we are here talking about your book, Zen Parenting, and it's Zen Parenting, caring for ourselves and our children in an unprecedented world. Mm -hmm. Well, this definitely Is at the right time, at the right place. And um, I want to talk a little bit about what you talk about in the book. You have this really fulsome introduction where you tackle some pretty heavy duty topics, if you will, but in a really relatable, easy to digest way, I'll say. So you're talking about emphasizing dignity, Mm -hmm. addressing inequality, discussing race. Mm -hmm. prioritizing sex education, understanding sexuality and gender, like no, 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 just no, no big ones at all. Uh, Disrupting gender stereotypes and norms and valuing mental wellness. Okay. Mm -hmm. So those are some heavy duty topics. I would say they are all really in the zeitgeist right now, right? They are all really relevant. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's funny. Cause I read, I actually wrote the second part of the book first, which is where I use the chakras to discuss mm. all the aspects of what it means to be human. And as I was writing that, I realized that there's a lot of issues that come into play with all these aspects of what it means to be human, that we have to be willing to look at if we are going to understand where we came from, what we believe and what we're going to pass along to our kids, mm. because a lot of things we like to, jump over or believe that, um, it's not necessary to discuss for whatever reason, uh, you know, I could, any of these topics I could use, but I'll just use sex education because I am a sex education educator. So I work okay. a lot with parents around this. Um, and you know, there's a lot of parents who didn't get a lot of information growing up, but feel as if they got enough to get through life. And so they're like, I don't really need to share anything with my kid because I made it out. Okay. Yet, as we were discussing before we pushed record, a lot of those people end up working with us or they end up in my office talking to me about their challenges when it comes to sex or comfort with their with themselves or their bodies or so we're the discomfort in the discussion and the messiness in the discussion is what keeps us from first tackling it within ourselves and then Already, that's a barrier in discussing it with our kids. So, Mm -hmm. what I realized is we have to at least, it's not about figuring it out. Like, none of these things are about, okay, I'm going to figure out inequality. I'm going to figure out gender norms. It's about wrestling with it a little bit, considering it. What was I taught? What do I believe? So, you can at least acknowledge where you are when you're talking to your kids about these issues, because these issues will come up with them in their own lives obviously in mm-hmm. school in the news in the TV shows they watch they're being inundated with information about this right. i mean they are kids you know they live on tiktok tiktok mm. is so heavy with this kind of information like there's so much politics there's so much about uh, sexuality and gender there's so much um and and if we want to impose it. How do I say this? If we want to at least share our perspective or get curious about our kids perspective, we mm. have to be willing to, to jump into these areas and at least become more curious if nothing else become more curious.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was a profound response to your beautiful answer. Um, but really, you know this is about safety too yes and you know i have talked uh, a few times you know you you mentioned you know sex education well we also need to talk about what pornography is we need to talk about why yes. that's dangerous we need to talk about what consent is we have to and you know it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't not teach your child how to safely cross the street Well, we're giving our kids devices at a young age, which literally gives them access to all of this, right? Exactly. It is, uh, as, as one of my guests, um, said, um, it's a portal to porn and mm-hmm. that in and of itself is such a massive, massive problem mm-hmm. that we absolutely have to, and our kids are always looking to us to know what to say and think and believe. Mm -hmm. And don't we wanna be the ones to give them the right information instead of TikTok, instead of their friends, instead of who knows who, right? Yeah, and you know, and this is so, that is such a great
1: way to dive into the fact that this is not about one conversation. You know, like when we're talking about porn, this is an ongoing conversation about what they're being exposed to. And it's not us lecturing at them, it's oh, good us point. being available to answer questions. And so this, this unpeels the onion a little bit, Robin, because this then gets down to the other half of my book, which is about the relationship we have with our kids Mm -hmm. is so essential in discussing these issues. Because if we come at our kids believing that we have all the answers, this is how it is. You have to follow this. This is what we believe. We have shut down any conversation, any questions that they may ask and think about all those things you brought up, you know, dignity, race, inequality, you know, sex, sexuality, gender norms, these are difficult conversations. And if our kids are afraid of us, Mm -hmm. if our kids are afraid of our judgment, if our kids feel that we're more uncomfortable with these issues than they are, they are not going to ask us questions. And it just, so it's like, we're kind of I'm playing with both sides here where number one we have to be willing to venture into these conversations and number two we have to have a relationship with our kids where they are willing to ask us questions mm-hmm. and be open to what we have to say and not think oh I know exactly what my parents are going to say they're going to lecture me about that I shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that and instead of the conversation taking place and having an understanding of why our kids are asking it and not being terrified by the questions. I I work with a lot of parents who are terrified by their kids' questions. And and that's what shuts down the communication because the kid can feel that, you know, a kid or a kid owns up to something. I did run across porn. And then the parental response is I'm taking your phone. I'm taking your computer. I'm putting all the parental controls versus, they're going to be exposed to these things their whole lives. So how do we help them navigate the reality of them? just really basic stuff. Porn is not a relationship. Porn is a male fantasy. Porn is for profit. Porn takes it up a notch to keep people interested. This is information. Our kids, our kids. And when I'm saying our kids, a lot of kids are using it as tutorials for sex education. Mm-hmm. And we have to start breaking down these myths we have to start offering them something of value when it comes to what a real relationship is and what sexuality and connection to people really is. But again, going back to your question, if we are not a safe place for our kids, if we are not able to take a breath and have these conversations, then we don't get the opportunity to offer that value system to our children. Mm
0: -hmm, Exactly, exactly. And, you know, that is... uh, unequivocally, the most important thing is the yeah. relationship we have with our kids. And not only do I know that through my own experience, through my own studies, but also through the guests that I have that have talked about different topics, it all comes back to relationship, right? Your child is a drug addict. Yeah, It's about relationship, right? It's about connection. You have a child who is struggling with mental health, suicidal it all comes back to connection and relationship, yes, right? Yes. You know, you, these big problems comes back to the connection that you have and being a supportive ally for your child where they can come to you anytime without judgment, without criticism, without punishment, without lectures, just for you to be there and be their safe place and just say, Hey, we can work it out. We yeah. can work it out together. I've got you. And also let's ask some questions and I'm going to listen. I'm actually going to listen to you, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to listen to respond. I'm going to listen to understand. And my questions are going to be information seeking questions, not just a statement in disguise. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And in all those things you said can sound so radical to parents. Like I know that because of your show and what I do, we tend to have a lot of people around us who speak this way, but when you go out and talk to people maybe who haven't heard these things or read these things or, or it's just that that's not their history, that right. their parenting model was so different. Mm-hmm. Um, so was mine. I, you know, like oh, that it's it wasn't my history either. I mean, a lot of the reason why I do what I do is because I had lovely parents, kind parents, but they didn't really understand my emotional, it, you know, right. my, my I'm very sensitive. I have a lot of you know, I feel a lot. I'm very inhumanity. We will say, you know, my husband would laugh, you know, because he, there, it's just, I'm very connected to everything that's going on. And that sometimes can be like, get over it or God, what's mm-hmm. wrong with you? Or let's move on. Or why does everything affect you? And, and it's, and that's done often in love too. Like, I just want you to be able to manage the world. But a lot of what our kids really need is, that it's okay. They're normalizing this Mm. full spectrum of emotions, because like you said, right now, that is, that is how we heal. That is how we get through these things. That's how we have difficult discussions is recognizing the full spectrum of emotions that sometimes things are uncomfortable, that sometimes things make us angry, that we have a reason to be grieving and sad right now. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. I know in our country, there's so many things going on and i know everywhere there is it's not i'm not trying to focus just on the united states but the news that we are being inundated with every day we should be having all these feelings because mm-hmm. that's where change comes from mm-hmm. we it, and so shutting those things down and wanting our kids to live on this level of just show up do things and and don't you know don't ask questions that's not helpful not only to their em- emotional well-being but to our ability to connect and to the world as a whole we need mm-hmm. people who are curious. We need people who are affected by life.
0: That's yeah. how we make change. Well, and, and you're right that there are so many people that think this is radical. But then, you know, when I asked them, what if you were really struggling and instead of your parents ignoring you or telling you to suck it up or whatever, they said, you know, come, come sit with me. You know, what can I help you with? What do you need? Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, whoa, that would have been amazing. Like, Exactly. And that isn't raising an entitled child. I think people are really scared. They're scared that their kids are going to be entitled. They're going to be jerks. They're going to, uh, you know, be snowflakes. That's not what we're talking about because we do have boundaries. We do have structure, right? But this is what you talk about. of really parenting yourself first and we're going to get there, but okay. I want to first ask you, you know, you talk about Zen parenting, you have Zen parenting radio. What exactly do you mean by that? Cause I'm sure people hear that and, and, and immediately come up with their own definition of what sure. that means, but I'd love to hear it from you. What do you mean? when you say Zen parenting?
1: Well, Zen is, you know, the, the common belief about the word Zen is that it means to be chill or calm or relaxed. You know, yeah. that's kind of what we've taken as like the mainstream idea of Zen. What Zen really is, and and I'm going to say this the best I can with the understanding that I write a whole chapter on how Zen can't be defined. Yeah. So this yeah. is a really, I, I remember spending months on that chapter because it seems like such a ridiculous thing to do and people try and do it all the time. Like, how do we write about something that is unnameable? Because as soon as you start to think you understand what Zen means, you lose the concept of what Zen means. What I will say is that Zen means seeing reality, okay, Mm -hmm. which is really different than what people think, which is the being able to look at reality, pay attention. So it's a lot about mindfulness pay Mm -hmm. attention, notice what's happening in reality, and recognizing that everything is connected and everything changes, okay? So that is like, I'm narrowing down such a broad, like it also Zen has a lot to do with paradox and accepting that two things are true at once all the time, that we can be so ecstatic about being a parent and making the choice to be with our kids and simultaneously be bored out of our minds and miss our work environment. Two Mm. things can be true at once. And it doesn't, and we, we live in a very binary culture of like, you either believe this or you believe that. And Zen it very much is the gray and that it's a lot of swinging back and forth again, that depending on where you are, the mood you're in, the emotional, you know, experience you're having, that there is a lot of just, you know, if I'm looking at the, you know, the binary and putting my hands up, I know people are listening to this, but is that everything is about that in between. And that, and that we're not supposed to have absolute answers. That's not the truth mm. of life. The mm. life is very gray. And, and I don't mean that in a negative gray color. I mean that it's very ongoing and alive mm. and unpredictable. Um, and these words that I'm saying, they'll make parents especially uncomfortable. Parents love certainty or they want certainty. And change makes them very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so that first line of acceptance is everything has always changed and life is unpredictable. Even if you Mm -hmm. set out certain goals and certain ideals and even a system in your home, things do not always work out the way you thought. And that's okay. That's kind of my big piece. That's okay.
0: Where instead, and so here's what I'm hearing you say. I am hearing you say, even though words don't do it justice, I'm hearing just, it's like radical acceptance, acceptance of what is. absolutely. And when things don't work out the way you expect them to, want them to, need them to. Right. Instead of being at war with what is, you accept what is.
1: Right. And being at war with what is, is by definition suffering.
0: right. And anxiety and depression, anxiety and and and
1: depression. And, and the thing is, is we in life as human beings cannot avoid pain. Pain Mm -hmm. is part of being human. Like last night I went to bed with a migraine. I was in pain. I was in Mm -hmm. emotional pain about, Oh, I just don't want to have that. You know, like pain is a part, it, it can be physical pain. It can be emotional pain with loss. It can be disappointment. I mean, I could use so many emotional words here that have to do with Feeling pain. Suffering is when we're pushing against the reality. This is why Zen, I started with saying you're looking at reality, the truth of who it's, you know, like I'll just use something that, uh, you know, a statement about children a lot of times we, as parents have a dream about who our child is going to be. And we may have more than one, Mm
0: -hmm. and we may
1: have this ideal because we haven't investigated ourselves very much that we are just going to impose all these things. And my kid's going to be this athlete or this artist, or this kind of person. And that may not be who they are at all. That is not who they came here to be. That is not the, how they're showing up in the world. And we fight against this and we, we, We want them in sports and we want them in these things because that's our dream. There's a suffering in that because it's never, our kids could say, okay, I'll do these things, but you've won and they've lost, right? Because they're doing what you want and that will show up somewhere in their life along the line. The other version is being able to show up for our kids, recognize who they are, see the reality of who they are, You can still offer things to them. Here's the sport I did. Here's a movie I liked. It doesn't mean you don't share. It just means you see what is interesting to them. You become curious about who they are and you help them grow up to be who they are. With that kind of support at home, they will be in alignment. They will live in their integrity. They will know that they belong in this world and they'll have a sense of grounding about who they are. I can't think of a better thing to offer children going out in the world than those things, because mm. then they can manage whatever comes their way. Because we can't keep them from pain, but we mm. can help them know who they are and help them trust that they belong. That's mm. the gift, I, the greatest gift I think we can give our children.
0: And so, just that piece of belonging yes, belonging without shame, yes, without judgment. Yes, I just belong. And therefore I am worthy of love and being loved. Exactly. I am worthy, period. Mm -hmm. My life matters. I matter. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And that's what so many people suffer with when it comes down to it. when, When I work with the parents that I work with and we're looking at their beliefs about their child, their beliefs about themselves, all that it comes down to is I'm not doing a good enough job. I'm not a good mom or I'm not a yeah. good dad. That's yeah. what it all comes down to. And what if, what if we raised our kids without having that baggage? You're right. Can't stop them from pain, but what if they didn't have that to begin with? Whoa. Right. I know. I know that would be amazing.
1: You know, I feel like our generations and generations before us, it, it's all about the unlearning. You know, we're like trying to heal history. We're trying to heal things that that we were never able to speak about. We're trying to talk about things that felt feel shut down. We've compartmentalized all these things just to keep going. Where what if we we showed up with our kids in a way where they didn't have so much to unlearn?
0: Where we actually
1: instead of saying hey, go out in the world and be fake and pretend and show up in a way that's not you and just do that. So everything looks good on the outside. They're eventually going to have to reckon with the fact that they are not in alignment with themselves. And and I'm using this language over and over again, because I'm a a therapist, I'm a clinician, I have been for 20 years. And this is the work and coaches do too. This is the work we do with people Mm -hmm. is helping them come back into their sense of self. Mm. So many of us have lost, you know, I can't tell you how many, you know, people I talk to, they're like, I don't know who I am. I don't, Mm. I have clients who they don't know what their favorite color is. Mm. They don't know, you know, what's your favorite movie. I don't know. I, they don't even, they've lost that sense to be in touch with who they are. And Mm. once they begin to get that back, that's where joy comes from. Mm. it's not about getting a certain job or having a certain amount of money or getting a new piece of clothing. It's, I feel like myself, I know who I am and everything springs from that. The way we respond to other people, our ability to be compassionate, our relationships become more genuine and authentic. They deepen. So this is what I'm always trying to help adults with. And I used to, I don't work with teens as much as I used to, because now I have teens. So I save up that energy (laughs) for my girls, right? You know, I I do work with college students. I'm a professor at a university and this is the conversations I'm trying to have with young people early. So they don't have to do all this backpedaling who you are is exactly who we need in this world. And if you know that, Then you go out in the world and you do things, someone who, you know, it sounds so cliche, but someone who honors who they are, offers honor to other people, Mm. people who are in pain, either do one of two things, either they go out in the world and try and help other people who are in the same pain or they impose their pain on other people. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, I never say that because so many of us have had pain and trauma and mm-hmm. not all of us go out and cause, you know, pains, a lot yeah. of us try and heal. But if there are children and adults who feel a great deal of pain and can't see beyond it, it's all they have to give. That's all. Mm-hmm.
0: And and when there is pain in childhood and we have our own children. Mm-hmm. You know, I very clearly remember thinking on an unconscious level and then consciously I'm the boss. Now Mm. you need to listen to me. You have to listen to me because I wasn't listened to. That was a big part of it for me. I wasn't respected. I wasn't listened to. And I didn't know that was the pain that I was bringing. And that's sort of the, the thing that nobody tells you is, oh, by the way, you're going to parent the way you were parented. When you have kids unless and until you are more intentional and aware and grow yourself up which i want to talk about next and or parent yourself and your children who are just being themselves mm-hmm. are inadvertently going to mirror to you your greatest pain and where you need to heal and so you know when i look at my oldest who is who is the one for me you know he's my greatest gift even though he's a tough kid, he's a really tough kid to parent. Always been. I mean, he came up that way and he is my invitation to heal myself. That's how I see him. Yeah. No. And I'm not perfect. And I still, you know, will say things and do things and yell and, you know, I have right. And I, and I don't want anyone to think that I'm perfect because I'm not, but I am doing the best that I can. And I'm changing and I am changing that paradigm and the generational pattern that over generations has been perpetuated in in my history exactly and there's such a difference robin and like you know we
1: always have to say that because we talk about these things we want to make sure people understand we're struggling with the same things but the different there's a difference we're just aware Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that we don't make the same mistakes that we hear about from other people or that we, we have the same challenges, the same emotional responses. The key is about awareness because then you're halfway home. And when I say halfway home, what I mean is you can pinpoint it. You're like, oh, here's what I'm doing. This is why it's coming. What you just said about not being listened to is a very, very common um, uh, idea or wound for women. And I'm going to be very gender specific because I work with women. This is really where I focus. A lot of women weren't listened to in their own families, growing up in a school system, in a workplace, you know, some, some traumas come from early childhood and some come later in life where Mm -hmm. we've had experiences where really we don't feel listened to. And this is a very, um, you know, this is why we're talking, you know, part of the book is about gender norms. Like we have to look at the reality of what women are confronted with a lot of the time, not because we want to say everyone's horrible and, and it's because we have to, honor ourselves and other women and say, wow, this has been an interesting road of some, you know, historical oppression that continues today. Like we have to just own up to these things. And the thing about being listened to is like you said, it just shows up in the most, the smallest ways with our kids. You know, I, I hear from parents really simple things. Like I told my kid to put away his shoes Mm -hmm. and he didn't put them away. And I got so angry. And all of that anger is not about shoes and it's not about your kid. It's about this history and this ongoing feeling of my words don't matter to people. Mm -hmm. And it is, and that doesn't make us, this is not about, there's a very compassionate way to look at this. We, instead of blaming ourselves or judging ourselves for that feeling, we say, wow, that's deep that, that feeling of not being heard lives mm-hmm. deep inside me. And that awareness, which is what we mm-hmm. started with helps us make a different choice in that moment with our kids when their shoes aren't put away.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: doesn't mean we become permissive and say, I don't care about shoes. It's just, we respond to it differently.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yes. It's like, Oh, I, I'm actually yelling at my, the wrong person. I'm yelling at my dad, the wrong person. And I'm yelling at my husband sometimes too, because we both, we both have very similar dads and we both weren't heard. And so it is like, it is comical sometimes, but not that we are both sort of trying to get a word in. And then we both pout when we don't feel heard. So we are works in progress. We definitely are. Well, and we, you know, this is my husband. and I love these
1: conversations because we literally just go back in child. What were our things that worked when we were children, our defense mechanisms that we used, Mm. which thank goodness for our defense mechanisms, because it got us through our childhood. So we don't get angry about those defense mechanisms. We're grateful for them, but they don't work like they don't work now. I am 50 Mm. years old. And if I try and show up for my thir- my 14 year old, like a 14 year old, which can often come out when you're talking with teenagers, yeah. you become, you start arguing with them. Like you argued when you were 14 or with your partner, you start to use seven year old things like pouting and yeah. walking away or saying, no, it's fine. And that's not us in real time. Talk about noticing and paying attention that's an old defense mechanism we used when we were younger. So that again, going back to the word is awareness. Then Mm -hmm. we can make a different choice. But if we're not even aware of this, if we are righteous Mm -hmm. and we're like, this is just what they deserve. There's no change that can occur. So awareness is, is 50% of the way home. Like I said.
0: Yeah. And, And I think this is where grace comes in too, because when I look at Other people in my life who don't have that same awareness, you know, Mm -hmm. we're all on different journeys, and you know, I'll, I'll, you know, my my in laws, for example, you know, don't understand this or our kids, or you know, there's 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 a gap there, and and although it's easy to fight through, and I want to, you know, not say nice things, I want to say not nice things. I should say, Mm -hmm. you know, like I do also have to recognize that, like, that's just where they are. And I can't change that. I also have to accept and be aware of that too. And that it's not personal. It's not about me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the one thing that I have learned that, that, that is always coming back is that it's never personal. Mm -hmm. Our kids' behavior is never personal. You know, the way our parents treated us really isn't personal. Mm -hmm. It was their issue. Mm -hmm. And they were triggered by what they felt and then reacted in that way to us and often out of fear and yeah, sorry, go ahead. And well, I was like, you know, I'll talk about my parents
1: for a second. Like when I look at the evolving that my parents did from their homes, it was huge. So, you know, they came from depression era parents. And so you think about, you know, my dad was an only child. It did. He, there was a lot of disconnection. My mom, you know, there were things about their history that they could have had even more challenges, but they evolved, they, they recognized these things, they became aware, but then that there was only a certain point they could get to, right. You know, that's where they were and that's what they were able to do. And now it's my turn. You know, this Mm -hmm. is something we need to look at as, as parents is that the whole point, you know, cause a lot of parents tell me that they want to honor their parents by parenting mm. in the same way. Yikes.
0: So there's like a,
1: I need to honor my culture. I need to honor my parents. I need to honor the way that, you know, that I was raised. You can honor your parents and also evolve for this time and place. Because I can't raise my girls like I was raised in the eighties. That's impossible. Yeah. It's a completely different time and place. I, we didn't have social media. We, as we all know, us, you know, Gen Xers were raised outside and come home at nine and totally <laughs> different world, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I am supposed to evolve beyond my parents, not to become better than, not to become more special, to be here in 2022 mm. and raise kids in this time and space. My kids will do the same thing. I don't want them to parent the way I did in 2022. If they choose to become parents, they should evolve. They should look at things Mm -hmm. and say, I'll take that with me. That stuff I'm going to leave behind. And now I'm going to continue. So there is an honoring of our parents by taking what worked and paying
0: attention to what didn't I, that's another awareness. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. I do really like that. And I have not really ever articulated it that way. So thank you for that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to keep it. Keep going with it. (laughs) Spread the word take what you need and leave the rest, right? Just like you just said. Okay. I want to read, I want to read a little couple of short paragraphs from your book, by the way, your book, it was just so, it it, it is not was, it is just so lovely. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, it just felt like home. It felt like a warm hug reading it. And you just have a really gentle way and a very intelligent way of, of of broaching the subjects that you do. And I just, I just wanted to say that to you because I really, really liked your book. I really love it. And I'm so happy you gave me a copy of it so that I can go back to it and read it because it's really beautiful. So thank you. Thank you, Robin. Now, you now we're, we're going to talk about this parenting ourselves, because I want to ask yeah. you about what does that look like? What do you mean by that? So I want to read this. And you say, to raise a child well, it's most important to continually raise and parent ourselves first, to recognize the energy we bring to every situation, to be clear about the why behind all of our expectations we have for our children. That means that everything starts with us. Why we believe what we believe, why we say what we say, and how well we see and understand the stories that live behind our feelings and actions. Instead of looking at our kids and expecting them to play out the life that we've choreographed, we first look at ourselves to figure out where we came up with the choreography. (laughs) We may be perpetuating beliefs that were imposed on our grandparents, parents, then us, a continuous cycle of unexamined expectation. We may be per, uh, preserving a certain way of living or thinking that is actually no longer relevant to this time and place. We may be making choices and decisions to please people who are no longer here or continually chasing a dream that was never ours.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, it connects very well to what we were just talking about when we're talking about parenting ourselves and and I always say, we're doing that over and over and over. One thing that's really important when we're talking about self-awareness or reparenting um, is that it's a practice. Yes. And why that's important is that there are, so Todd and I have been doing Zen Parenting Radio for 11 years. Okay. Wow. And there are, yeah, it's been a long time and there are people who listen to the show who then say, well, I did all these things with my spouse and we had a good conversation, but then the next week, the same issue came up again. And I'm so frustrated. And I'm always like, of course it did. Like Mm. we don't talk through things and solve it and then move on to the next things. The Mm. same issues will keep coming up. And I say in my book, this is not mine. I got this from Oprah Winfrey, but she said, you know, you think you're healed. And then the same issue comes up wearing different pants. Like, (laughs) We have, there's a lot of things that are historically so significant or such a part of our upbringing or our background that they are going to come up again and again in different ways. So I just want to reiterate to everybody who feels like this feels daunting, or they look at people and say, they got it figured out. And I do, and I don't No, 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 this is ongoing. This is a practice. What's nice about a practice though, is that your lag times become shorter Mm -hmm. And your ability to accept certain things becomes shorter. So the practice doesn't get rid of challenges. What it does is allows you to accept them and it allows you to say, oh, I'm doing that again, or, oh, wait a second. I wasn't listening. I totally was. It was not in the moment. I wasn't present or, oh, my kid has a point. I didn't, I wasn't curious about what they thought. I just imposed my own will all over it. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying that first with reparenting, because I think the, the idea of this is an ongoing practice can relieve us of that pressure of feeling that this is some kind of linear model of we're going to, you know, it's not, it's not school where we're like, all of a sudden we graduate and we're great at this. There is an ongoing practice and the, you know, all parenting yourself means is that the vast majority of parenting, interestingly, is how we're responding to things. Right. So like, you know, you and I were talking before Robin, a lot of times parents come to us, or we felt this way ourselves that we're like, how do I get my kid to do this? How do I get my kid to stop doing this? How do I get my kid to be more like this? And really that is a projection of everything that's going on inside of us. We're the, Mm. our expectations we have, again, going back to, we have all these dreams. We have all these fears. Like for example, we have a child who's super shy. And we were shy as a kid. So we all of a sudden are terrified that our kid who's shy is going to have all the same issues we had. So Mm -hmm. then we start imposing all these things on this shy child to make them different. So they don't have the outcomes we had. And so we can change their life trajectory when really being maybe what was going on in our childhood was, yeah, we were shy. Is shy a problem? especially when kids are really little, like a lot of times there's some real great knowledge in there of I'm gonna trust these people, but I'm not so sure about these people. We don't wanna knock that out of our kids. There's something in that that's really intuitive and, and, and smart. And instead we, we, again, instead of worrying that our child is gonna have the exact same experience as we did, which they won't, by the way, I can, I can tell you that I'm not saying they will never have struggles or pain. What I'm saying is your life was your life. Your child has a whole different set of circumstances, a whole different set of people, and they may find shyness to be their strength of being a better listener, of being a better observer, of being someone who can show up in a situation and actually being able to take into account all different you know, personalities and all different things that are happening because they have that awareness rather than this need to talk all the time. Mm. I'm, I'm using this as an example because we're bringing the reason where we need to reparent ourselves is because we bring a lot of our crap to the table without really being aware of what we're doing. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: if we have greater awareness, we can even talk to our child. I was shy too. You know, how does this feel for you? Like I was shy. This is what I thought and having an acceptance and allowance for them to move through those stages because a lot of shyness is just about age. I had my first two girls never wanted me to leave a birthday party, never wanted me to leave them and, you know, like in a school situation. And that was challenging for them until they were like fourth or fifth grade. And then all of a sudden there was something that happened in them where they're like, you can go now. They Mm -hmm. just, it's like forcing children to walk before they're, they're ready to walk. We've got to walk through things with them rather than impose our will on them. Mm. long and answer for you Robin,
0: sorry. No, I love it. There's so much I want to say about it too. You know, um and I think what we have to check in is is are we parenting from fear? And I call yeah. it future parenting mm-hmm. that we take what's happening in front of us today and we decide what that means or we're afraid of what that means for the future. Like, oh oh, if you're shy, then you'll never get a boyfriend or girlfriend. You will never um put your hand up in class. That means you won't, you know, whatever. I mean, we go to crazy The the next thing we know, they're living homeless and they're drug addicts, right? I mean, like that's, or they're in jail, right? Like that's, that's, that's the end result to all of these crazy town stories that we tell ourselves. Right. Um, And I, and I love that you said that parenting is a practice. And, and I, I, I will say that I say that too, like peaceful, it's the practice of peaceful parenting. Like yoga is a practice. You don't ever become perfect at anything. You just go deeper, right? You just go and you do, you just go deeper. And And, and the, the one thing that I love to remind myself and everybody else's is is that to be human means we make mistakes. We fall short and it is a shared human experience. We're all effing this up every Mm -hmm. once in a while, Mm -hmm. we're all losing it and you can lose it and beat yourself up. You can judge yourself. You can spiral down into shame, or you can say, okay, whoa. What the heck was that about for me? Why did I lose it? What's going on with me? And then go, okay. So maybe you have to talk to a friend about it. Maybe you talk to a therapist. Maybe you talk to a parent coach about it and say, okay, I'm not sure what that was. And get some help to unravel what's going on yeah. so that you can have better awareness of yourself. Right. Yeah. And when we talk about it being the practice of, 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 Zen parenting, peaceful parenting, conscious parenting, intentional, whatever you want to call it. It's really all the same thing. It's honoring who your child is and coming from a place of healing yourself. You know, I've never had two teen boys that are almost 17 and 14 and a half. You know, I've never had those kids before. So how can I possibly, you know, show up perfect every day? Mm -hmm. You know, yes, they're the same people, but they're not, not the same people they were 10 years ago. Right. So of course not. And, um, and and just that shyness, you know, I do hear that a lot too, as though shy is wrong, but we need all people of all different temperaments and shapes and sizes. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that I love to say is, you know, we need highly sensitive people Because if we didn't, we wouldn't have HR departments, for example, if we didn't have people that cared about other people, like just that one little thing, we wouldn't have nonprofits, we would have all this other stuff, right? There's a place for everyone. There's a place for everyone. Don't shame them. Don't criticize them. Don't beat it out of them, Mm -hmm. except who they are. It just, it just means that they can thrive in that space that they're meant to be in. So, okay. Yeah. And and (laughs) not (laughs) only all those things, and
1: then, and you said, you know, support them, be with them and advocate for them. Mm. Like I, that is where intimacy and connection comes in families. You know, when you have a parent, you know, like the, the stories I hear from my girls are the things I did that. I think of being, you know, I think of them as being minor, but it changed the way that they not only viewed our relationship, but viewed themselves. For example, you know, like I said, being at a, they were at a dance class and neither of the girls wanted me to go, even though they had each other. So I sat in the corner of the dance class and even the teacher came over and said, we really don't like to have parents here. And I said, I totally understand. I just, my girls really don't want me to go. And I'm going to be a fly. I'm going to be so quiet. Like I'm not here for you or to judge you. I'm just, I need to be here. Cause they need me here. Same thing happened. One of my girls was at the dentist. The dentist is like, we don't want parents in here. I said, I'll sit on the floor and hold her hand. I I will mm-hmm. not bother you, but I cannot leave her if mm-hmm. she is afraid. And a lot of times, and my girls remember these things and they don't need mm-hmm. these things from me anymore, by the way. Like I, right. these were, these were in the moment things. And, and if we can live that way, rather than, oh, I'm going to be on the floor of the dentist office for the rest of their life. No, you're not. What you are doing is you are advocating for them versus saying the way this, you know, and and I want to be really careful here because this is the binary thing. Again, this doesn't mean you shout at people or make people feel bad about the way they're treating your kids, or you become someone, a teacher says, Hey, your kid is talking in class. And you say, no, my kid would never do that. That's not what I mean by advocating. Well, that's that, also not awareness. Either. That's not awareness. That is, that's, not, that's, again, your own fear of, I have a story about my kid and you're not going to tell me differently. Right. What I'm talking about is you have a kid who says to you, I need you. I need help with this. And you don't say you shouldn't need help. Mm-hmm. I'm too embarrassed to give you help because other adults are around. You are saying my connection and my relationship with you is so important that we're going to figure this out together. Yes, and it yes. may look different. Maybe it's that we're not going to do the dentist today. Maybe that is, you know, there are things that we can, every story is different. Um, There is no one way, but your, your point is, and you know, what we're trying to get to here is that this is what we want in the end is a relationship with our children as they age. And we don't have to wait till they're adults. I have so many parents who say to me. You know, I couldn't stand my, my parents, but then Mm -hmm. I turned 25 and all of a sudden I had appreciation. And so now we're, we're connected again. I do not believe that we need to go through phases where we absolutely can't stand each other. We have moments where we can't stand each other, but we, the ability to maintain a relationship with the people you love the most, I think is the highest priority that we can have. And that doesn't mean permissiveness. That doesn't mean that we stop doing our work as a parent, it just means we make sure what is, you know, again, these are universal things. It's the same with our partnership. We listen, we acknowledge our own behavior. We take accountability. We take responsibility for our side. And then we hear what they have to say as well. This is what relationship is. Mm. And too often we're trying to play the role of parent versus just showing up as yourself parenting. You know, there is Mm. a difference. The role of parent is like you said, I'm in charge you listen to me, it's my turn now, that's a role, that's, it's, it's false. Parenting is actually, how do I help this person feel grounded and belong and also recognize that they need to go out, that, that they're here with me now, but the whole work is to get them out in the world where they don't need me anymore. That's mm. this, this talk about paradoxical. Yeah. You know? Break um, your heart. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's hard. It, exactly. It's like the most, like, you know, I dropped my daughter off at, you know, college last year for her first year. And it's the most, you know, I'm going to use the word paradox again. You are so, I am so thrilled that we are here. And I am so devastated that we are here. And I think this is every phase of parenting when they leave preschool, when they leave elementary school, when there's all these rites of passage that are very hard, um, but they're also very enlivening. So, um, you know, I, I just think it's being, I will just say this, taking responsibility for our peace and everything and how the energy we bring, as you read from my book is how we build relationship with our kids.
0: Absolutely. And I think what, what I hear you saying again, just to, to reiterate is, is we're meeting them where they are, not where we think they should be. And so that means today I am going to help you tie your shoes. Yeah. I know you know how, but you know what? I get tired too sometimes and I need help with stuff. And you're only human, just like mom is. And I can't, I don't expect you to act like a fully grown adult because you're not, because you don't have a fully grown brain. Your body isn't fully grown and developed either. And so I can help you. I'll help you brush your teeth today, baby. I know you, you know, and that doesn't mean I'm coddling you. It doesn't, it just means I am meeting you where you are right now. And I can honor that. And I don't need to lecture you, judge you, criticize you and so on. And, and to be in a relationship with someone, it is inevitable. We will have a difference of opinion. Conflicts will happen. That is again, what it is to be human. And, and as long as you are listening, as much as you are talking, Mm -hmm. if not listening more, that is the road to the deepening of this relationship. And by the way, in case anybody has lost the point of why we're even talking about why relationship first is the route to go it's because it feels so good mm-hmm. it it is it is there and nobody i don't think anybody can disagree with me that when you are walking with your kiddos or sitting with your kids and and you feel good together that is the best feeling in the world mm-hmm. It's no better feeling.
1: And you know, what I love is I, I use a lot of research in my book because I'm very interested in it. And because yeah. it drives these points home, because I love that you just said, it feels so good because I used to talk about mindfulness and, um, you know, ideas around connection and empathy. I've been teaching at a university for about 11 years as well. And I used to say things like this, isn't this just feel better? Or, you know, like, cause we didn't have all the research yet. It was just coming through. Right. And now you and I also get to share the fact that we know that connection is why we're here. We are literally hardwired for connection. Human beings and most mammals are hardwired to connect to others. We are built with empathetic responses, mirror neurons. So we can see people's pain and respond to it. And our brain grows and has like a healthy chain of events when we feel connected. So Mm. these ideas that we have about making our kids feel guilty about things or making our kids and guilt, guilt can be okay. They're going to experience guilt regardless of if we impose it right. or if, you know, they're, it's a part of being human, but we feel this need to like really teach our kids lessons about life and be really demanding or even harming because we're like, I want to harden them up for the world. That doesn't they're going to get those experiences outside already. They're going to struggle with peers. They're going to struggle with teachers. They're going to struggle with bosses or just life overall. We get to be the people who help them grow those connective places in their brain, those synapses that make them feel that they belong, that who they are is worthy. That connection is what makes us feel like human beings. It makes Mm -hmm. us feel like... There is a loneliness epidemic right now, especially Mm. with men. Interestingly enough, Mm. um, Robin, my husband, runs a men's group, an international men's group. And the whole focus is on helping men connect because so many men are not given the permission by society To have the full range of emotion and they don't have language around the full range of emotion. So they end up as they get older having more issues with loneliness because they don't know how to engage. It really is interesting. And so loneliness is one of those things that. that in itself can cause this. They did that. I'm sorry, going into research, but they did this Harvard study of like 80 years of watching all these people, mostly men, but then they started bringing in partners and kids and they found that loneliness is as lethal as alcoholism and smoking.
0: I mean, think about that. I see it too. I see a lot of men without friends Yes, and um, a lot of men unwilling to face dysfunction, for lack of a better word, struggle, don't want therapy, like, no, I don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't know how to deal with it. So they're shoving it down in a way. And and, uh, so that is very true. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's very, very true. I I see it. And and I've been sort of curious about it too, to be Mm -hmm. honest, I, I definitely see it. And, you know, you're talking about hard, hardening them up. And, and that again, in my, in, in, in my experience is still about fear, mm-hmm. you know, that I've got to get you ready when in fact, what we're doing is we're treating a child as though they are a fully grown adult. Like, well, there's consequences in life. You better have consequences here. Well, actually maybe, but that's for somebody with a fully grown brain yes. and is fully developed consequences here. It's not about consequences. It's about teaching. It's about nurturing. Mm-hmm. I always say to parents, like you're here to teach each not to punish, Mm -hmm. you know, to say that the most caring allies in my life sometimes hurt me on purpose, sometimes take Mm -hmm. away the things that I love. Like what an, what a message, what message are we giving them? It's not a strong message, right? Mm -hmm. How can I know for sure that I can trust you Mm -hmm. mom and dad, if -hmm. you do that to me willingly, and if I'm afraid
1: of you, like how yeah. do, how can I go to you if I'm afraid of you? And, and a lot of people will say, well, I don't touch my kids or I don't spank them or hit them, or I don't yell at them. But if you are not a safe space, as far as being willing to hear your kid out, just assuming either bad intent or, you know, so many parents say to me, my kids are manipulating me. I hear that all the time. And I'm like, I don't think they're sitting up at night, rubbing their hands together, saying, how can I manipulate my parents? (laughs) They're trying to figure out how to get their needs met, like all human beings. And sometimes that shows up in behavior that can be really difficult to deal with. And, but all of behavior is messaging. It's communication. It's communication. They're like, I didn't get through to you this way, or you didn't notice this way. So I'm going to try this way. And it's not, it's very unconscious. It's, it's not always, sometimes it's conscious, but sometimes it's very unconscious of kind of like kids will be like, especially teenagers, like, screw it. What do I care? Nobody cares anyway. There's a lot of that. And so being recognizing that you know, I remember Rob Bell said once, um, you know, he was a speaker at our conference and he's a writer. A lot of people might know him, but you know, he said once, like, if our kids are making us feel, I'm I'm trying to remember the word he used, but if they feel like they're, they're causing us suffering, it's because they are suffering with something. If it be, it doesn't mean it's always a big secret or something you need to uncover. It's just, it can be as simple as, I don't know who I am and I don't think my parents do either, you know, like, I don't think I am being seen for who I am. I don't feel like my, my language makes an impact. I don't feel that people pay attention to my needs. It it sometimes can be everyday things. So it, it is a, it is a process again of curiosity and investigation
0: yes. and being interested. Yes. Okay. I want to, I want to say that again though children, kids that are causing us suffering Mm -hmm. are suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And because
0: I, our kids want to get along with us, they correct. want to please us. And yes. I know that without a shadow of a doubt from every yes. adult that I have talked to who talks about the way they were parented and say, and, and had said things like, I just wanted to get along. You know, one client I had, she said, I, I was, I love marketing. That's my background is in marketing mm-hmm. and, and she works in marketing. I'm like, Oh, cool. She's like, well, not really. I wanted to work in the theater. I wanted to be, and I was like, Oh shoot. Like, Oh you know, like not, not impressive in any way, shape or form for me, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway, I, yes. Ugh. Well, and Robin, I'll say to
1: that, like we, we sometimes, again, going back to the parenting role, we often think my kid needs to get on board with all of the things that I need them to do, or my kid mm-hmm. needs to get on board with all the rules that I have set. And once they get on board, then we'll get along. Instead of like, (laughs) sometimes our kids, like, you know, just to give an example about like phones, a lot of times we're like, here's our rules about phones and they may be very well intended. They may come from research. It may be concerned about brain development. I hear all Mm -hmm. that, but sometimes our kids, if we listen, they can say, listen, I hear all these things, but I need to have my phone in the morning because that's when everybody decides who's getting a ride where and that's when we figure out. And I, and I, and again, I know parents will say, well, this isn't a good reason, but what people are wearing today, like that's important to peers. You know, there's a lot of like, how do I belong in this group? And there's a lot of things that we may not respect now at this stage of life. We may say that's dumb, but try and put yourself back in a 14-year-old shoes or a 12-year-old shoes Absolutely. or what's important to them. And so then can we hear them like you're right. I don't want you to have your phone at night but in the morning go grab it, figure out what's going on with everybody. So instead of being rigid about rules, we say here's our boundaries, but yeah, I'm getting your messaging and I can tweak this a little bit to make sure you get your needs met. That's okay.
0: It's creating a win-win, not yes. just a win-lose, which, you know, which is what we often do. And it's the parent that wins and the kid that loses. Always. Right. And here's, here's the last thing I want to say. And then I've got one last question for you sure. is that when we run our own agenda, when we negate who our child really is, when we just use threats and punishments, without curiosity, without being a safe place, what happens is, is that when our kids are old enough to go against us or do their own thing, they will. And we've also, those threats that we have, they they start to fall on deaf ears and we've never learned how to influence them. We've Mm -hmm. never really learned who they are. And so many adults that I know have parents that they don't get along with because the parents don't understand them. Their parents treat them like they're still kids, Mm -hmm. you know, um, all, all of that stuff. So, Mm -hmm. and you know, there's a lot of pain still there Mm. and it's also never too late. Even if you're an adult, never too late, you know, it's never too late. It's never too late, late. which is beautiful. Okay. So here is my last question for you you know i would love to just hear some final words from you just for for parents but but really lastly about your book because i really really love it it's really beautiful i want people to 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 download read get zen parenting um caring for ourselves and our children in an unprecedented world we need books like this that lovingly teach us you're you're not here like so many books i read when i was really struggling was like it's all your fault (laughs) and i felt you know even worse about myself but um, you know, how does your book help parents? And then just some, some final words. And then, uh, and then, and this, I feel like I could talk to you forever though. I know, you know I'm having fun. Um, okay. <laughs> so how does my book help parents? Well, my
1: hope is, you know, what the intention is that parents realize they're not alone. Okay. Mm. So that there is a, and you know, the things that they are going through the places where they feel shame you know, like, Oh, you know, my kid has this problem. Nobody else has this issue or my kid doesn't listen to me or my kids are all different. And how did this happen? Um, you know, and there's a lot of shame and unwillingness to even speak about it. Um, because they, they feel like they would either, you know, receive judgment from others or that they would have nobody who would understand the thing that I know as, as a therapist and as someone who's talking to people all the time about parenting is you're never alone. Mm -hmm. There are experiences you are having that other people are having, and they may have support for you. They may have ideas for you. Um, and this book is, it's the, you know, the reason that I wanted to write about so many different ideas, so many, everything from, you know, I start with talking about belonging. I go into, creativity. I go into, um, you know, empathy and connection to, you know, a greater purpose. And I'm saying this, cause I did, I went through all the chakras, you know, intuition, all these places of parenting where there's so many different options and ways to reach ourselves
0: mm-hmm. and reach
1: our kids. There's so many different inroads and the inroads are small. You don't have to look at these things and say, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to like overhaul everything I do with parenting. No, you don't like no, you it can don't. be as small as your kid comes home and you get off your computer and close it and say, tell me what happened today. And they may say, uh, you know, it's fine. Nothing. And say, okay, well, just know that I'm here. If you want to talk about, it, cause I'm totally interested. And then they may be like, oh, like that's not usually what someone does. When I come home, usually they ignore me and they're on the computer or they say, tell me something, you know, there it's like shifting one subtle thing mm-hmm. changes all the dynamics and then all of a sudden your kid, and and sometimes kids do say, what are you doing? Why are you saying things differently? Like a lot of teens will be like, I, you're using some kind of parenting technique. on it. yeah. It's not a technique. It's a way you're not doing something like, okay, I follow these steps. Yeah. You are bringing awareness again, going back to the word Zen awareness and attention. You're noticing the kid in front of you when they walk in the room, you're saying, this is the most important person in my life. So I'm going to look at them and smile and say, how are you doing today? Maybe even recognize something they did. Oh, cool new shoes. You're, you're acknowledging their humanity Mm. and you're also doing that for yourself. You're waking up in the morning and saying, what do I need? What do, and I I know a lot of us have to go to work and parent. I'm not saying the whole day is up to us. What I'm saying is we can, we can put things into our day to make us feel valued. You know, I, my things were small. I used to like just drive and get an iced tea. Like, Mm -hmm. I just want an iced tea for myself in the morning. It sounded so good. It made me excited. It could be sitting out in the sun for a little bit. It could be calling a friend. It could be watching. It could be thinking tonight. I'm going to watch a Netflix show just for me. And I'm looking forward to it all day. You are valuable and important too. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing these things simultaneously. The more we, the more we support our kid, the more we support ourselves, more we support ourselves, the more we support our kid. We start to see the cycle and dynamics start Mm -hmm. to change. So the book, you know, the, the messaging really is you're not alone. There's little things you can do and watch the little things turn into
0: big things. It's pretty interesting. I love it. Oh, I love it. That is such a message of hope and positivity. And we have the right to live that way. You got it. Yes. Oh, so amazing. All right, Kathy, uh, we can find you at Zen parenting radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook is Zen parenting. You are on Instagram Zen parenting radio, Pinterest Zen parenting. I mean, yeah, look up Zen parenting and there you are. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it's ZenParentingRadio.com. you know, so everything, all those things you read, Robin are all on the website. So it's yeah. kind of nice. It's all in one place the book, the the podcast, you know, every, you know, subscribing to our newsletter, all that stuff is at ZenParentingRadio.com.
0: Wonderful. And how cool you get to do it with your hubby too. I know it makes it's life so nice. fun.
1: Yeah. I know we get to kind of talk through, you know, talk about First two things. Number one, that we get to talk through everything, and mm-hmm. we we do not air dirty laundry. That's not what Todd and yeah. I do on the show. We talk through ideas and concepts and universal mm-hmm. principles. It's often how it relates to our personal lives, but we don't share our children's personal lives. It's really just how we show up in parenting. You know what I was struggling with, not what my kid was struggling with. Right. And it also is just it's it it's you know we have this like six hundred and sixty podcasts that our children can listen to as they get older, they don't, they're not interested in what we do now, but yeah as, I'm like, if. yeah, as if they're like, yeah, nice. Um, they've been on a few times, but they're like, they've yeah. grown up with it. So it doesn't mean anything to them, yeah. but I'm like, you guys have so much material. If you ever wanted to know your parents.
0: Yeah. Right. Here's all oh, these podcasts. Yes. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here thank for you. everybody listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being the kind of parent that wants to do this parenting in a different way to really know and cherish your kids and honor who they are. Um, I am definitely better for, for knowing you, um, Kathy, I just love this. And you know, for, for, for those of you listening, please do subscribe to Parenting Our Future. Please, you know, if it feels right, uh, you know, give it a five-star and leave a review, uh, you know, all of those means so much. And of course you can find me on YouTube. It's Parenting for Connection. And, uh, you can just look me up or, uh, look up Parenting for Connection. Thank you so much for being here, everybody. And thank you again, Kathy.